Welcome to the next generation of energy with Rosewater Energy Group. Traditionally, power availability has been the overriding objective for home automation. But 21st century advances have shifted this paradigm. It's no longer a question of power availability. The real question is, how good is your power? Our podcast explores the shifting paradigm to educate our listeners on the importance of power quality, the foundation upon which premium home automation is built. Hello and welcome to the next generation of energy, a podcast from Rosewater Energy Group. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and as always, I'm joined by Joe Piccarilli, the CEO of Rosewater Energy. Joe, it's great to talk to you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today, Tyler. It's a Friday afternoon, and being in South Florida, the weather is lovely. How are you doing? You know what? I uh, I can't complain either. I'm a little envious of your South Florida weather, but I think most people are these days. And so, you know, you, you take the good with the bad. But uh, but it's it's always good anytime we get to to chat uh, about energy and uh, and have a conversation. So I'm pumped. We're also joined today by Mario Batero. He is the COO of Rosewater Energy. We'll bring him in now as well. Mario, thanks for being here, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, it's a little bit cold up here in Toronto, but uh, other than that, you know, it's it's been a, it's a good day. It's a good day. How are you doing? I am doing well. You know, we, we can't all be South Florida. Um, I know. So, yeah, uh, you know, as, as much as we might like. But uh, but uh, today we have another fascinating conversation on the books here. So we're going to dive into a little bit more about power quality, why it's so important in the modern world, but also maybe how we got to where we are now. And, and I think that that's going to be a really interesting conversation. As always, these guys are the experts, and I'm, I'm thrilled to get to uh, share their expertise with the world through this podcast. So, uh, Joe, let's start off here. What are some of the consequences of poor power quality and why has it become so important in the modern world with, with all of the different devices and things that we have now? It's interesting because, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about power quality and, and sort of the history of where power quality became apparent. And it, it really started with mission critical facilities with highly calibrated, highly sensitive equipment. And the equipment that's calibrated on power quality and that is very sensitive to voltage fluctuation in those kinds of facilities had really dire consequences. The, the equipment went down and it took forever to recalibrate or reboot. And as we became more technical and as the, as the equipment that were used in these facilities had more and more microprocessors, power quality became incredibly important. And all of a sudden, that same sort of calibration and important equipment filtered into the medical community with MRIs and CAT scans, and they began to notice. And as is the way of our world, that kind of technology ultimately trickles down to the residents. And today in modern residences, we have highly sophisticated, highly calibrated control systems that are extremely sensitive. And the consequences are all of a sudden, those microprocessors in the best case merely lose longevity. But in the worst case, actually stop functioning. And now in modern homes, uh, if a microprocessor stops functioning, you, you, lose, you lose the ability to turn on your lights. You could mm -hmm. lose the ability to open your doors. You know, you could you lose your security system. So the consequences of power quality become much more severe and uh, today than they were merely a decade ago. That's a really fascinating way of kind of walking through that that, that you presented, and I suppose that follows, uh, you know, some other technologies. Uh, I'm sure there were cellular technologies that were first, you know, mission critical, military, 
things along those lines that then made their way down to consumer and and that sort of thing and made its way down into people's homes and regular lives and and that sort of thing maybe the internet as well might be a good example of that and and that's always a really interesting trend to follow i i suppose and it uh, I wonder what changes and what developments uh, are made as we consider power quality as it gets to the consumer level and it becomes accessible to everyone. What happens that enables that process to take place? It's a really good question because when you start and you pointed out some examples, a cellular phone, which, you know, for military strategy and, and strategic uh, advantage, how to create communication totally wirelessly. You know, first it started out with satellite phones, and then people started to figure out how to make that same technology terrestrial. And as it became less flawed, as it became more reliable, and then became at the upscale portion of the market, the early adopters and innovators start going, well, wait a minute, I'm going to, I want one of those. And these people who are sort of innovators sit down and they start buying them and they start tinkering with them. The same could be said for satellite TV. Uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember when people started buying gigantic satellites to get TV reception in their homes. I mean, satellite dishes in people's homes that were 10, 12 feet in diameter. And all of a sudden that technology began to improve because they started to see a consumer market. Uh, so you see all of that technology start to trickle down because once people figured out how to make it, and then you can start making it at a price, and consumers, the innovators started, wow, that's pretty cool. And then their friends, more early adopters, see it and go, oh, I want one of those. And then all of a sudden, it gains momentum. And technology after technology is like that. The entire digital world started really in, uh, actually started in universities in the military community. So I, I guess the, a natural question that would follow is, is what makes good, consistent power quality um, something that is difficult to achieve and something that, as we say, it's increasing in importance and more and more people are relying and, and need consistently good power quality. What makes it something that, that is inconsistent and, and that is an issue for people these days? I think it's interesting because Mario lives in the perfect example of what creates power quality issues for utilities in desirable communities and desirable places to live people are flocking to them and they are flocking to them in large numbers in my home state when i moved to florida in 1974 florida had uh, right around 7 million people today florida has about 23 million people it is the third most populous state in the union and unfortunately, it is very difficult to build new power plants. So essentially, we have an infrastructure that has had little improvement, very few new generation plants built. And of course, the trend for people, because same is true of Texas, Florida was once the place where people would build small winter homes. Now, Florida is the place where people are buying those <laughs> lots and going from that nice sort of 2,000 square foot, this is my winter cottage, to, oh, let's mm -hmm. put up about 25,000 square feet. <laughs> you know, and, and right. that creates huge problems. I mean, Mario, Toronto's landscape 20 years ago, I don't remember it as well, but I'm sure you do. Uh, all I know is when I come visit you, all I see is construction cranes. It's it's true. I, what you see, and we've talked to the utilities, and they say they say the same thing that when they uh, designed the grid, 
they did not design it for these kind of densities. So the more you have redevelopments, you know, and we see it a lot, again, in Toronto, we see it a lot, the more you uh, compound the problem. And I know even for me in particular, I live in one of the suburbs uh, outside of Toronto. And, you know, you might go a whole year with, with uh, uh, maybe one power issue. Now you, you're getting it between my house and my office uh, at least once a month. I'm having an issue and uh, it's, it's been, it's unheard of before, but now it's, it's become normal. So it's what you're going to get when you, when you continue to take an old infrastructure and not set up for this kind of density and you just keep adding density onto it. You're just going to see the power quality and reliability continue to, to deteriorate. And we're seeing it now. And I suppose if, if, if 2020 and the the pandemic and everything that we've gone through uh, as a uh, you know as a worldwide population over the last you know 11 12 months has has taught us anything it, it's that we're relying more on the devices and, uh, and and all of the different things we've put in our homes more than ever over the last year, right? Whether it's Wi-Fi, uh, you know, connected devices, smart home technology, things like that. I think more and more people have been obviously spending more time in their homes, which has led them to investing more in their homes and seeing the effects of what that investment brings about. And and I'm sure that then power quality becomes something to consider, right? Because as we've talked about with IoT devices on the podcast in the past, um, you know, the, the more that you have in your home that's dependent on power quality, the more you really see the effects of what poor power quality really does to a lot of these devices. And I'm sure that, that, that the effects of that have been felt maybe more acutely than ever over the past year. I couldn't agree more, Tyler. You bring up an excellent point. I mean, I, I look at it, I have uh, two kids in high school who spent part of the year taking their schooling at home. Mm-hmm. I'm at home a lot, my wife's at home a lot, and with four of us all of a sudden, depending on the network and all of the IoT devices in our house, the power quality effects become so apparent, in many ways create huge frustrations. I mean, you know, if you're in school and you're, you're sucking up bandwidth and all of a sudden you get a power glitch and the internet goes down for a moment, uh, if one of the sensors goes down, if the lighting goes down, it's it's amazing how much more apparent it is. And I know that's across the board. We know because so many more people are calling Rosewater about power quality issues and how they can be solved than ever before. And, and to your point, people are spending time at home and realizing. Mario, how has that played out for, for you when it comes to either working from home or, or having other people at home and that sort of thing? Have you seen the effects of this um, maybe firsthand, like I'm sure many of our listeners have as well? Uh, yeah. I mean, we have, uh, I don't know how to answer this. I mean, we have power issues, right? Like I, I'll come to the office uh, and my computer will be off and my and, and my the alarm is sounding. It's because we had a power failure. Uh, so I, I notice it. I notice it. Uh, but I've been noticing it not from just staying at home. I've just been noticing it because our power quality has been getting worse. So, Joe, you mentioned solutions and people coming to Rosewater, you know, looking for solutions. And obviously, we don't want to be people that just sit around and complain about problems. We want to be solution people. And so when it comes to solutions, what should people be looking for? And what kind of remedies are there out there for uh, the various, uh, you know, poor power quality problems that we've discussed already here on the podcast? There are remedies that, and the remedies that are they're broken up in a number of ways. There are remedies that are at the device level. People put a UPS on their computer. So there you are protecting only that device. 
And of course, UPSs vary in quality. Some UPSs really just provide some battery backup without providing power quality improvement. And then there are devices that will do more than just a singular piece of equipment that will protect some or all of the house. Again, the difficulty for the public at large is how do you tell whether a device is actually improving power quality? And one of the things that is incredibly important and can tell you right off the bat, if there is a transfer time, so if power goes off and there is some amount of time, I don't care how small, before this device kicks in, you are not getting an improvement in power quality. You know, that, that it, it is not a, an improvement at all. Interesting. So that would be the first tell for any, anybody out there looking to improve their power quality. For instance, in a rosewater device, the transfer time is zero because our device is always creating the power output. We take input from the grid or a generator or renewables, and we change that power to DC without getting too deep into the weeds. But what it really means is our batteries are always powering the inverter, so there, there is no transfer. So the essentially the batteries are always powering the house and the source of power, be it utility or grid, are always powering the batteries. Mm -hmm. So even if the power goes out, the batteries have a significant buffer, hours or a day. So the power quality is always perfect. And it, it is extremely confusing to the public at large to understand what power quality is and how to improve it. And we, Mario and I, when we started our business, it was like, God, how do we get this message out to people? And how do we get people to understand the difference between a standard uninterruptible power supply, also known as battery backup, and what real power quality and power improvement is? And, and really, I think the, the very first tell is a transfer time. Mario, do you agree? Oh, 100%. Uh, you can't have uh, conditioned power without, without it going through the battery, basically. So it, it, it would have to have a zero transfer time. Yes. So that's how you're segregating it out. Is it at device level? And, and then does it have a transfer time? And one of the things, like I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're going, yeah, I hear my uh, battery backup on my computer always clicking. And I'm going, yeah, that's because it's, it's power goes out or uh, for a small second, it takes a little bit, and then that clicks on. So that's not improving your power, but it is providing you battery backup. And if it's fast enough so that the uh, computer doesn't shut, shut off on its own, which means it, got a, it has to be a very short outage, then the battery takes over and everything's fine uh, for as long as the battery lasts. But if you hear the click, it's hmm. it's not improving the power. That's so, so interesting. And, and I, I suppose that there are other trends that are also fueling um, thoughts and concerns about power quality, right? And and you were telling me a little bit before we even started the, the podcast today about the wellness home trend. And I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that and how that plays into this overall picture as well, because uh, nowadays people are looking more at, uh, at integrating their home and just having more sensors, more technology all throughout the home to create a, a wellness environment. So tell us a little bit more about that trend and how that is also impacting how people are viewing power quality. I find the trend fascinating. And as people are spending more time at home, and as, as everybody seems to be predicting, people are going to continue spending more time at home. 
because they can work from distance and they've proven they can. Now there is an interest in how do I create a safe and healing environment in my house, for lack of better phraseology. So that means that in a wellness home, there, there are devices that are constantly measuring water quality. You know, what is the mineral content? Are there any kind of bacteria in the water? So there will be sensors, sensor, there are sensors measuring that at all times. There are sensors that are being put into wellness homes that measure air quality by room. Wow. Yes. And that takes a huge number of sensors plus processing power to analyze whatever the sensors are picking up so that you go, this is what's going on. There are, within that subset of room to room, there are sensors that will pick up the amount, the number of people in the room and what their effect is on the temperature in the room and self-adjust. There are sensors that will pick up temperature of each person in the room to see if somebody is not well. Hmm. So all of those trends, and they're fascinating trends, all of those trends are, are in their infancy, but I see them going forward becoming very important trends in the industry and in, in the building industry, I should say. So you will find them both in residence and you will also see them in office because as people start going back to work, they want to know that their work environment is healthy as well. And, and that is going to require power quality well beyond what the utilities can provide. There's just no way the utility will be able to provide the power quality to sustain that environment. Hmm. Sure. And part of their peace of mind of the people, of the individuals, not just having a healthy home, but also knowing that they can rely on the devices that they put in their house to make them feel better. And again, that goes down to power quality, because if you don't have reliable, consistent, good power, these devices are always going to be going down. And if these devices are always going down, what you've tried to do by creating a better home environment, you've just caused yourself more aggravation. Without reliable, safe power, you've added to their headaches, actually, instead of helping them get better. You've, you've, gave, them, you've gave them something else to be upset about. <laughs> Mario brings up a solid point. And at, at Rosewater, we position power and power quality as a foundational product. You know, typically in the past, there have been the sub, the infrastructure of a house was divided into mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. Um, we believe that something called information technology is really the fourth leg and is the most important because now mechanical, electrical, and plumbing are all relying on sensors and internet and communication and microprocessing. And as we move towards the healthy home, though all infrastructure systems we're going, are going to be built around information and information processing. So it is our argument that power quality is the absolute foundation of a house or an office or any place else where human beings are populating. Right. And if the foundation's weak, the building crumbles. I think that there's, there is no way, other way to put it. It is a foundational consideration in the house. And with what you're describing, um, you know, I think that for many people, wellness is now more top of mind than ever, right? Uh, just given everything that, that has gone on over the past year, I think people are more conscious about what am I putting in my body? What are the um, what are the 
um, circumstances around, you know, where I am right now, be it indoor air quality or, you know, uh, the wellness of other people around me, how many people are in a room right now, there's more focus on that, you know, than I can ever remember there being in my lifetime. And so all of a sudden you have all of these particular concerns and people want to know those things. And there are sensors and technology out there that can provide that information. But, you know, to your point, it, it all requires the right the right power quality and, and, and having something that can effectively um, power and, uh, and utilize these tools that are now at our disposal. Couldn't agree more. People are going to be looking for ultimately, because of what we've experienced over the past year, a mask for their house. How do, how do I protect my house from encroachment of viruses? How do I do that? And we're all extremely sensitive because we've been living it for 12 months now. I really like that that term mask for your house. I think that's a I think I think that's a really really good way of putting it. And and I think that 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 rings really true because you're right. We have been living it for the last 12 months now and everybody is looking and saying it would be I think at this point a surprise if this were the last time that we experienced this in our lifetimes. And so as we look ahead at technology and at ways that we can better prepare ourselves and better keep ourselves safe, I think that what you just laid out is a, is a really good way of doing that. And having the right power, I think, uh, proactively thinking about things like that is, is really important because to some people, this will sound extremely futuristic and extremely pie in the sky. Is this, is this something that will ever actually come about? But I think if you think proactively and think about what can we do to better protect ourselves in the future, everything that we're talking about makes so much sense. Exactly. And and you're right. There are people on uh, who will listen to this and say, oh, that's years from now. But people should remember certain things. It wasn't that long ago that a flat panel television was futuristic and mm -hmm. incredibly expensive. Because I've been around a long time, the first flat panel television that I saw was a 42-inch TV with a mediocre picture by today's standards. <laughs> that sold for $15,000. Wow. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> and now a 42-inch TV with a better picture is 300 bucks. So, yeah. you know, the future comes way sooner than we expect, and especially in the world of technology. So, yes, it sounds futuristic, but day after tomorrow, it'll be upon us. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> sure. Well, it's it's definitely interesting to consider the future and everything that is is coming down the pipeline. But uh, but I I enjoy getting to have these conversations with you guys because uh, it really just open up the the mind about what's possible in in the world right now, what's coming in the future, and uh, and where things are heading. As you look ahead, I I suppose what sorts of things and what sorts of trends are you looking forward to in terms of what is possible in in smart home automation? What so sorts of things are you looking ahead to in terms of of power quality? Uh, what trends excite you as we hit 2021 and as we begin to look forward and hopefully looking at a world that is post-pandemic? Um, what sorts of trends and things that are on your radar that you're keeping an eye on? It's an interesting question because, you know, as we talked about, I, I, we're, we're big proponents in, in the home health, home wellness. I think that's a huge trend. We will see far more ability to control that you will be able to not only monitor what is going on in your home, but adjust your home for your arrival. And when I talk about adjusting your home, I'm talking about adjusting all subsystems in your house. I think mm -hmm. that that's going to be a very solid trend. I, I think 
there's there's an entire world around convenience and you start to see it where mm-hmm. as time becomes more and more precious because time is a is a perishable commodity and you can't get it back and people certainly would like to have more freedom in how to spend their time and you will see devices for instance people have been trying to figure it out and i'm i'm assuming they will that you know at some point your refrigerator will create a shopping list for you right. and do it accurately you will be able to do all kinds of convenience you will see a huge amount of work around medical monitoring you know you, you see the little apps now that take your ekg for you but the ability mm-hmm. to self monitor and create the tests that allow remote diagnostics is one of the trends that will lower the cost of healthcare and lower it significantly. Mm. And you will see again s- sensors, communication, all of those devices are internet enabled. All of those devices are filled with microprocessors. So I think the ability to self-diagnose at home and and diagnosis is the wrong word, it's self-test because you're still going to need a phys- physician to take that data and say this is what it indicates. But you will you will see all of that, and, and imagine what that means, particularly as the population ages. You know, and people have are having more and more trouble getting to offices or traveling, or are reluctant to do so. And the ability to essentially just have all your data sent to a physician, get on a Zoom call, and your doctor can go, you know what, you're fine, or mm-hmm. you know what, you're not so fine. You need to come in. <laughs> but I, I think that's another trend that is going to be very very large. You see small startups trying to do that the barriers to entry are still formidable but i think not so formidable that they won't be overcome in the next 5 years so i see that as huge yeah and i think if you look at the if you look at any of the suspected trends uh, you know growing or developing the one thing that they all have in common is they need good power <laughs> right so it's not like the trend isn't going to be walking in a park the trend is going to be something that requires power so absolutely absolutely guys well uh joe and mario anything that you guys want to bring up and discuss before we wrap up this episode here for today you know outside of being saying something incredibly self-serving in that <laughs> you know mario and i work very hard and and really are convinced that the rosewater device is by our tagline simply the best but it really is no matter what power quality device you choose to use it is not something to be ignored mm. you no one can afford to ignore power quality any longer it as mario alluded to earlier when you're buying a convenient device or a device to increase your convenience and your ease of life and it works intermittently or stops working instead of increasing your enjoyment it only increases your frustration So mm-hmm. if you are really going to get the true benefits of all of the devices we talked about power quality is the foundation. Power quality is the foundation and you can uh, learn more about Rosewater Energy and and everything that Joe and Mario are talking about at rosewaterenergy.com because they have a lot more uh, educational materials there as well. If you want to understand exactly what they're discussing, if you want to hear more about the Rosewater Hub, uh learn more about all of the products uh, that Rosewater has to offer, uh, you can go there right and uh and and um read up and and watch videos and and they have a lot more information for you there that that you can uh, consume to educate yourself on everything that Rosewater energy is capable of and what they're doing. So Joe and Mario, can't thank you enough for uh, joining the podcast today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys and uh, I hope we get to do it again soon. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you very much. 
And everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Next Generation of Energy, a podcast from Rosewater Energy Group. We appreciate it as always. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with the latest from the podcast. If you want more thought leadership and insights on the world of power, what poor energy quality is doing these days, uh, how that is occurring and how you can remedy those problems. And a lot more thought leadership from Joe and Mario uh, on many different issues across the grid and, and things along those lines. Stay tuned for more episodes of, of the podcast and we will be back soon with those episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.